In the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would all the kids and teens up through the 12th grade please come forward. I couldn't see you, so I had to come this way. Good, good morning. How are you all? How many of you have ever been to the doctor? How many of you have had operations? Anybody ever have an operation? You have? You okay? Did they? No, when you were being born? No, that's not an operation. Has they, have they ever cut you open? No. Oh, yeah. What? <laughs> Sometimes they cut you. I've been cut open six or seven times. Yes, I have. Of course, you would expect that in 40 years, right? 40 years of living. So, um, um, so the doctors, they go in and they, they're really careful. They know what to do. And they have to cut you open in order to heal you, right? They have to do that. Or they can give you medicine sometimes. Or sometimes they just say, go get in bed and rest. You know, doctors know what to do. So Jesus is in Capernaum, and all these people are coming to him for healing at Simon Peter's house. And I don't know where he got all the medical equipment, the stethoscope and the scalpel and the iodine and all that, but evidently he cut a lot of people open that day because he healed a lot of people. You think he cut people open? You don't think he did? So there are other ways to heal other than through being a doctor? Yes. How, how do you think that? What, what kind of ways? What? Through Jesus. Through Jesus? So he, well, that was Jesus, right? Yes. That was Jesus healing all these many people that kept coming to him and casting out demons too. He cast out demons as well. So Jesus has that kind of power, right? Does anybody else have that kind of power? Well, first of all, realize that the gifts given to doctors with all of their learning, they have to learn a lot, but it's still, some of them still have the gift of healing that comes from God, right? And other people have other gifts that come from God. Uh, but we're talking about Jesus today healing many, many people. Now, Jesus is not only human, but he's also God, right? And so did he promise anything to his church? We talked a little bit about it last week. Did he say you'll do these sorts of things as well? Yes. To the church? He said that. Are we the church? Yes. How many people have you healed this past week? <laughs> I'm just asking. I don't know. I have to ask questions to learn the answers. My mom's leg. Who? My mom's leg. Your mom's leg? Did you, did you lay your hands on it and say, Jesus, heal this leg? What? She made us massage it. Oh, she made you massage it. And, and it got better. Yeah. Okay, so healing came that way, didn't it? Mm -hmm. But have you ever prayed in the name of Jesus for healing? You have? Sometimes it doesn't come the way we want, does it? Sometimes it does. And so I think we've been given the authority by Jesus as the church, and you are the church as well, to ask for healing 
in the name of Jesus to somebody who's sick. And again, God might choose to heal that person in a different way than what you imagine, but God will heal that person. And healing comes in lots of different ways. You know, I prayed for healing for my twin brother. He had cancer and he died. But you know what? God healed him and made him whole in his kingdom. My brother still lives, but not in the way that I had hoped and imagined. Same with my mother and my father and my younger brother and lots of friends that we buried here in the parish. We pray for healing all the time. And many people are healed physically and many people are healed by moving on into the next world. And, um, and there are lots of other ways to be healed too that we can't even begin to imagine. But God is in charge and God's the one who does the healing through us, his church. So pay attention to that. Remember I said, use that authority that God gave you last week. This is a part of it. The healing that comes from God through his church, which is also you and me. Okay? Remember these things. Don't ever hesitate to pray for healing for someone because you think that it might not work. It will always work the way God wants it to work. And he asks us to pray that way. Okay? Now I really need help getting up from this side. Okay, you can go get a packet from Mr. Music if you want to, or... Uh, oh, look here. <laughs> Thank you. Good job. <laughs> it's all those surgeries I had over the years. So I know we have a couple, two or three new people in the congregation, and I just have to say that even though I am disappointed that they require this of me, I, they, I am forced to tell a joke or two right before the sermon. Uh, it bothers my heart, but I do it for the congregation's sake. I just want you to know that, the new people in the congregation. There's a little boy who was, went to school one day, and while he was gone, his cat died. And his mother was very concerned about how she was going to tell her son, that the cat died. And upon his arrival home, she explains the tragedy and tries to console the young boy by saying, but don't worry, the cat is in heaven with God. And the boy replied, what's God going to do with the dead cat? <laughs> I almost didn't tell that because somebody told me yesterday at one of our events that their cat after 15 years had died. I said, forgive me for the joke tomorrow. And that's at the next service, though, so. And I probably shouldn't have told that anyway, just because you didn't laugh. It's <laughs> <laughs> never stopped me before. There, one more. There was a New York man who had taken the day off from work to appear for a minor traffic summons, and he grew increasingly restless as he waited hour after endless hour for his case to be heard. And when his name was finally called late in the afternoon, he stood before the judge only to hear that the court would be adjourned for the rest of the afternoon and he would have to return the next morning. And he snapped at the judge, what for? His honor, equally irked by a tedious day, 
yelled quite sternly, $20 for contempt of court, $10 for each word. That's why. And then noticing the man checking his wallet, the judge relented and said, that's all right, you don't have to pay now. And the young man replied, I know. I'm just seeing if I can afford two more words. like love you or I don't know, something like that. I'd like to begin by telling a story this morning. I've told this story at a couple of weddings many years ago. It's a story about a famous centuries-old philosopher by the name of Moses Mendelssohn. This man was absolutely brilliant. He was compassionate, he was intelligent, but he did have one flaw. This man was hunchbacked. Now it so happened that one day he fell in love with a girl named Gretchen, who also happened to be the daughter of a very prosperous banker. Several months after he'd met Gretchen, Mendelssohn visited Gretchen's father and, as was the custom of the time, asked him very cautiously how he might feel about him courting his daughter. And Mendelssohn said, please, please tell me the truth. And the father, he hesitated and him and hawed around for a moment. And then he replied, well, the, tr the truth, Moses, is, well, you're a fine fellow and all, but, I mean, you're intelligent, but, and Men Mendelssohn finished the sentence, but I'm a hunchback, right? And the father said, yes, I'm sorry but any union between you and my daughter is not possible because you are a hunchback. Mendelssohn paused, and after some silence, he asked, may I visit your daughter one last time? And the father said, by all means. And so Mendelssohn, he goes upstairs where Gretchen is sitting on the couch busy with needlework, she avoided looking at him, but as they were talking, Mendelssohn eventually turned the conversation to that of marriage. In the course of the exchange, Gretchen asked, Moses, do you believe in that old saying that marriages are made in heaven? And Mendelssohn answered, oh yes, I do. And while we're on the subject, I might tell you that we have an ancient tradition that says when a baby boy is about to be born, the angels, they blow their trumpets to get heaven's attention, and then they announce to all the name of his future wife. And he went on. So when I was about to be born, the angels, they blew their trumpets and then announced the name of my future wife. And then they put their trumpets down, and they lowered their heads, and they added, but alas, alas, she will be humpbacked. And then I stood up before the court of heaven and I cried, please, no, a girl should be fair and well-formed. She will be the butt of cruel jokes. No one will want to marry her. Please, master of the universe, please give me the hump back and let her be well-formed. And God heard my prayer. And do you know what, Gretchen? I was that boy and you were that girl. And Gretchen was deeply moved. And she married Moses Mendelssohn, and they had a very happy marriage. 
Now, the point I want to make about this story is it seems to me that Mendelssohn, at least in the story he told, was willing to sacrifice himself for the sake of Gretchen. He was willing to have taken on her deformity for the sake of her beauty. And I know some of you might be saying, well, no, he was really trying to manipulate her into marriage. And that, there might be some truth to that. But when I hear the story, I like to think that her love was given its foundation through his willingness to give of himself. The deformity of Mendelssohn's hunchback remained throughout the marriage, I'm sure. But Gretchen began to look beyond that deformity. She began to look more deeply into the life of this man and began to love him because of his unconditional willingness to sacrifice himself for the sake of another. It's not something we see very often in this crazy, mixed-up world. But it is something we believe in. Otherwise, we would not be sitting here in church this morning. We are here because we have fallen in love with a man. A man who is also God, who emptied himself, who has shown us exactly what it means to offer oneself unconditionally for the sake of others. I think it is so important for us to see this because we have been called, each and every one of us, to become imitators of this man, God, Jesus. Looking at the gospel reading this morning, we, we, we find a group of people who are very sick, spiritually oppressed. They are lining up outside the house of Simon Peter in Capernaum. I sometimes wonder if some of us would have been in that same line had we been there. And my guess is that we are in that line right now whenever we turn to Jesus in our prayers for healing, for some kind of answer to one of life's difficult questions, or when we ask God to work some miracle in our lives, or maybe even not a miracle, maybe, Lord, just make me well. When we do this, we find ourselves lining up right alongside those people waiting to be touched by the hand of Jesus. And there's nothing wrong with that, except maybe sometimes we might be getting in that line for the wrong reasons. Those people in Capernaum, they were there because they had already seen Jesus heal a demoniac in the synagogue that very morning, which was last week's gospel reading. Deacon Jennifer preached about that last week. The word had spread all over the city. And the message to the suffering Capernaumites might have gone something like this. The emergency room at Simon Peter's house is now open. Dr. Jesus of Nazareth is seeing patients. Not only is he seeing patients, he's healing patients as well. And get this, you don't have to have insurance. You don't have to pay. What a national health care program this is found in the person of Jesus. This may be your only chance to get well. Go, go see Jesus. And so crazies and Cripples, lunatics, and lepers, mothers carrying fever-ridden babies, old folks with aluminum walkers, they all joined the throng. The living room in Peter's house now becomes a makeshift waiting room 
which is overflowing with people lined up all the way to the street and probably down the street. Peter gets on the telephone, calls the local architect to see how he might convert his house into a hospital. Because you see, Peter might be thinking about a job change. No longer is he going to have to mess with those smelly, dirty fish. No, he's going to become the chief administrator of this hospital. I mean, this is the first time they've seen Jesus doing all of this, maybe in spurs, but all these people? He hollers at Andrew to, to apply for a local certificate of need. Now, this is not in the Bible. I'm making some of this up. But Simon's mother-in-law is feeling so good now that Jesus has come to heal her, to rid her of her fever. She's over there on the phone recruiting friends to join the Capernaum candy stripers. And all the while, Jesus is still out there healing all these people from various kinds of diseases, casting out all kinds of demons. This might just become the Mayo Clinic of Israel. Who knows? But after a while, Jesus becomes exhausted. He takes a break to rest for the evening. He seems to be troubled. He doesn't quite know what it is, but something is wrong. He's got to get this straightened out. And so he finds himself getting up very early the next morning, going off to a deserted place, to a place of silence, to a place where the voice of God is most often heard, he withdraws to hear the voice of his father. And it works. But he hears something other than what Simon and his companions heard. He hears something other than what the remaining sufferers hear outside of Simon's house. He hears a call on his life. That call it goes beyond the call of being merely helpful. It goes beyond that alluring ego-building statement. Everyone is searching for you, Jesus. Where have you been? We need you, Jesus. We have wonderful plans for your life. You know, we love to hear the, that sort of thing, don't we? We need you. We might say, this is my plan for you, God. I want you to do this and this and this. But Jesus hears another call, the call to be faithful. He tells Peter and those who came out with Peter, no, we cannot stay no matter how much they might need us right now. My father tells me that we must go on to other towns for there is a necessity for me to preach the good news there as well, for that is why I came. And something just doesn't feel good about that. People are hurting, and Jesus turns to leave. People need to be healed. Jesus walks away. But you know what? This is our human dilemma, isn't it? Sometimes human limited love hurts and it calls for sacrifice. Just as Jesus had to do, so we are called to pick and to choose within our own small worlds who to love, who to pray for, who to offer ourselves for. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. We cannot take care of everyone. That's God's job. 
We can do and we must do the little things that come our way, even if they seem insignificant at the time. God uses them and maybe turns them into big things. You know, there are times in my life when I wish that I could do a whole lot more for all the hurting people around us. But I can't. But he can. I can care for those people in my own environment. So the lesson we learned this morning, you know, Mendelssohn, he was willing to sacrifice himself for the sake of Gretchen, in the story anyway. In a simple way, he was imitating Jesus Christ. We too are called to be imitators of Christ. So how do we do that? Well, Jesus was caught up in the hectic activity of healing many, many people in a very busy world. Jesus was busy. So busy that he got up early the next morning and he went to say his prayers. Folks, you know how busy we are in this world. We hear it all the time. We feel it all the time. We've got to get up and say our prayers. Jesus needed guidance. We need guidance. Jesus heard the voice of his father. Might not have been what he wanted to hear. Maybe he wanted to stay and heal all the rest of those people. But he heard the voice of his father and he obeyed. My guess that is that he really didn't want to walk away from those hurting people, but he obeyed the voice of God. And that's our job as well, isn't it? Obedience. Let us go forth to know, love, serve, and obey Christ. We say it every week as we depart from this place. And that's what we have to do. That's all we have to do. And then God takes care of the rest. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.